It's an interesting song. He says uh, he loves us, and it's written in red, the cross. And you know, the Bible says that we love him because he first loved us. 
It also says that the love of Christ constraineth us. It says the love of Christ. It doesn't say the love, uh, our love for Christ. It's the love of Christ. It's his love for us that should motivate us to serve him the way we do. You know, we often say, well, if I love the Lord, then I would serve him. So I'm waiting for the Lord to give me some love. Now, you need to focus on his love, and it ought to motivate you to live your life accordingly. It's the love of Christ that constraineth us. It holds us back. It, it, it keeps us in check. It allows us to keep perspective in the world in which we live. It's an amazing thing, the love of Christ. All right, well, anyway, turn to Luke chapter 21. Again, we're still in our series, Never Settle. Never Settle. And uh, we've been talking about a number of areas. We're talking about never settle in your marriage, never settle concerning your children, never settle concerning the ministry. We said just a, a, a while ago about the ministry, we said, listen, don't settle for a successful ministry. Settle, uh, only settle for a supernatural one. You know, don't just settle for good kids. You know, strive to have godly kids. You know, we talked about all of those different things, and we've worked through some of that, and today I want to continue in that, uh, that, that particular direction, and I want to continue to speak about this issue of never settling. We've said that all too often it seems that believers today in America are settling, that we're allowing ourselves to settle in so many areas, whether it be professional or whether it be um, in our, uh, um, you know, our, our private lives or whether it be in our spiritual lives, our uh, are, you know, just, we're just settling. We are settling too often, and we can't settle. We just can't settle, you know. We've got a God that's bigger than life itself, and he's there to meet our needs and to work in us and through us. Boy, we need to be working on these things. Now, today I'm going to talk to you about this issue, and of course it's quite appropriate seeing that today is our building fund offering. I'm going to talk to you today about never settle for giving safely, but instead strive to give sacrificially. You say, yay, <laughs> bless God, this is great. I know, I can tell you're super excited. I can tell, yeah. So anyway, we're going to talk about that. Now, in light of that, because I, I kind of had an idea, that might be your response. So I have a joke. A father, he gave his little girl $2, and he said, you can do anything you want with the $1, but the other dollar, that belongs to God, honey. Man, she was fired up. She was so excited. She took off running for the candy store, and along the way, she, she tripped, and that dollar bill fell into a, stain, a storm drain. Man, she got up, and she shook herself off. She said, well, Lord, there goes your dollar. <laughs> oh, man. Jesus has just pointed out the pride, the greed, the hypocrisy of the scribes. His condemnation included the rabbis, it included the Pharisees, and just literally the whole official religious establishment. He now delivers this teaching, and in the teaching he's accusing them, and it's prior to 21, it's actually before this, but he's accusing them of exploiting these helpless widows, exploiting people with less, and he's saying, listen, you are simply exploiting the widows to line your own pockets. It's not about, you're not there to help a widow, you're not there to help the needy, you are there to line your own pockets. And then we arrive at chapter 21. Again, to get all of that out of the chapters before, you'd have to go back to the book of Matthew as well and read portions that coincide with this. But he begins in chapter 21, verse 1, and he says, And he looked up, 
And saw the rich men, verse 1, casting their gifts into the treasury. He saw also a certain poor widow casting in thither two mites. And he said, of a truth I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast in more than they all. For all these have of their abundance cast in unto the offerings of God. But she of her penury, uh, penury hath cast in all the living that she had. Here we have the Lord Jesus Christ. He's kind of making a point with these Pharisees and these Sadducees and these scribes, and he's letting them know that they are really taking advantage of widows. And then on the heels of that, the Bible says that Jesus, from a certain vantage point in the temple, recognizes and sees a widow. This particular widow is found in the temple. And the Bible tells us that She's in a place where the colonnades surrounded the court of the women. It was a place called the court of the women. And there were 13 trumpet-shaped boxes that were basically there to receive donations from the people. And each of those boxes was designated with a specific reason for giving. One of those boxes was labeled for the poor. Another one was labeled for the sacrifices. And we have this widow woman standing there in this particular place in the temple. And there are those that are giving out of such great abundance. They are just pouring money into these boxes. They're placing it there and they are just making a fanfare of it all. And it is an, a, a big thing. It's a big occasion. It's a visible occasion. It's out in the open and everybody's so happy. Look at all the giving of the rich people. Look at how they pour the money into those boxes. Look how they support the ministry. Look how they meet the needs of the poor. And there's the little widow woman. And Jesus draws his disciples over to him and he says, hey, hey, come here, come here, look at this. Look at this. And they're probably thinking, look at what? We're seeing what's happening. Isn't it wonderful? Now you've got your eye on the wrong thing, friend. I want you to note that widow right there. And there she was. She had pulled out of her purse one of those mites just a tiny little thing. She had virtually no money. She had nothing as far as the world was concerned, so to speak. And there she was, looking over that box for the poor. And although she was extremely poor, she knew what it meant to be poor as a result. And she knew the hardship that they faced and she understood the needs that they had in their lives and she thought, I'm going to take my, my might and I'm going to toss it in that particular box. But as she went to drop it in the box, she saw another one that said for the sacrifices. And she thought, wow, wouldn't it be wonderful? Wouldn't it be wonderful? to give to the sacrifices, to provide an opportunity for somebody that can't afford to make sacrifice, that they then could do it. I mean, it costs a lot of money to run the sacrifices. It takes a lot of income to keep this place going. And it's needed and it's necessary for our spiritual well-being. And even then, I could give this. And if I give it, I'm, it's like I'm literally giving it to God Himself. And all of a sudden, she hesitates and she reaches back into her purse again and she 
pulls out the last mite that she has. And there she quickly tosses one in for the poor and tosses the other in for the sacrifice. And the Lord Jesus Christ says, Did you see that, fellas? Did you have your eyes on the widow? And in our passage in chapter 21, notice what the Lord Jesus Christ says to his disciples. I say unto you, Jesus said to his disciples in verse 3, that this poor widow hath cast in more than they all. For all these have of their abundance cast in under the offerings of God, but she of her penury hath cast in all the living that she had. Wow. Now, I don't know about you, but on the onset it may appear that what the Lord is saying is, is that when he looks at these men that had been placing all this money in abundance into these particular boxes for giving, he's looking at them and he's saying, now listen, this poor widow woman hath cast in more than they all. I mean, she cast in more than that guy, and she cast in more than that guy, and she cast in more than that guy, and she cast in more than that guy. But I don't believe that's what he's saying. I believe he's saying, you can add them all up. You go ahead and get your spreadsheet out. Start adding up how much he he gave, and he gave, and he gave, and he gave, and she gave, and she gave. Add it all up, and you put them all together, and she gave more than all of them. Wow. This poor widow hath cast in more than they all. For all these have of their abundance cast in under the offerings of God. But she of her penury hath cast in all the living that she had. They cast in out of their abundance. They had plenty of money. They didn't hurt when they put it in. It didn't cost them really anything other than a few dollars. They still were going to jump on their chariot and ride on home. They were still going to be able to go to Taco Bell after church. They were still going to be able to do all the things they wanted to do. But the poor widow woman, she gave it all. Never settle for giving safely, but instead strive to give sacrificially. When it was all said and done, it wasn't the great giving of the men or the women that were gathered there that day. It was the meager giving of a simple widow woman who only had two mites to rub together and yet gave it all. I'm sure she thought, I'll throw one in and keep one for myself. But in the end, her heart broke for the poor and her heart broke for the needs of the temple. And she said, I've got to give. I've got to give it all. Never settle for giving safely, but instead strive to give sacrificially. We settle so often, don't we? I'm going to have a word of prayer, and then we're going to look at just a couple of thoughts today. I'm going to note the character of our giving, and finally the conclusion of our giving. And then we'll be done today, okay? So let's have a word of prayer. Father, we come to you. We ask that you'd bless us now, meet our needs, and encourage us in your word. We'll thank you. We'll praise you. 
Lord, if there be any of those that are lost in Christ that are here today that have yet to know, without a doubt, heaven's their home, have not settled their eternal destination, Lord, may they realize and understand that they can know for sure. You said that these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. You didn't write these things in your word just so that we can live a good life, so that we can just be comfortable, so that we can just be kind. You wrote it so we can have a confidence, a confidence in knowing that you're our God, our Savior, our Lord, that heaven is our home one day and we will forever bask and live with you. Father, I pray that, Father, these that are here that have yet to make the decision for Christ, have yet to express their sinfulness before a holy God and ultimately ask for his forgiveness, his mercy, his grace, that they will do that before they leave. And for the believer, may we come to a place, Lord, where we are willing to lay ourselves on an altar as well, like this little wooden woman. We'll thank you in Christ's name, amen. The character of her giving. As we look at this widow woman, we note some things about her giving. First of all, the widow's giving was sacrificial. Her giving was out of poverty, basically. That's what the Bible's teaching us. That's what the Lord's sharing with us. She cast in all the living she had. Notice it says all her living in a sense. It's the word translated living here implies this thought. She has cast in her life. She threw it all in. She was all in. All her eggs in one basket. She was stepping in and abandoning self. It was all about God. It, she was just all in. She gave her life, if you will, that day. And when I think about that thought of her, her, her life, I think about this. I think that here we are as a widow woman. She's there in the temple, and she's thinking about giving to the poor, and she's considering and contemplating, dropping it there, maybe thinking to keep one for herself. Why? Because when I think about those two pences, as little as there was there, the fact is, the two mites, excuse me, when I think about those two mites, I think, wait a second, as little as it was, it was still all she had. Think about it. All she had. When I think about somebody that's going to exist in this world, the first thing they're going to really need is going to have to have some food. They don't have any food. They're in real trouble. Can I tell you that I, I think when the Bible's talking about she cast in all her living, what it's talking about is, is it's saying that she literally took what she was going to buy her groceries with that week and she tossed it all in. She had nothing to live on that week. She'd have to trust God with her sustenance. You say, well, I don't go for that. You don't have to go for anything, friend. God's just pointing out a point that every believer ought to be willing to give like that. I don't believe that God expects you to sell your car this morning, sell your house, sell your, your children, although some of you would like to get rid of them. I don't think he expects that of you. I don't think he expects that of me. But can I tell you, as he points his finger to that little widow and he says to the disciples, look at her, look at her, look how she pleases me, look how she has impressed me. I think he's saying, I want others to give like her. I want them to have a heart like hers. I want them to be willing, if asked, to give it all. Are you willing to give it all if God would ask for it? I'm not just talking about your finances. What if he asked you to go to a mission field? What if he asked you to go into the ministry? What if he asked you to quit that job and move to some other area in our state or maybe around the world in order to help a preacher who's starting a ministry? Would you be willing to give it up and give it all? I think that's the attitude he's looking for. He may not ever ask for it like that, but are we willing? 
the widow gave sacrificially. You know, we settle too often, don't we? We settle for giving out of our abundance. I mean, like the Pharisees, we are obedient and even happy to give when it's not a strain on our budget or inconveniencing our livelihood. You know, when, it, when it's comfortable, it's okay, right? I don't mind giving when it doesn't hurt me, when I can still leave and get a double cheeseburger, I can still go to the restaurant with my family, I can still have my Friday night movie night with my pizza, I can go ahead and buy $35 worth of pizza and pop, but I can't afford to give nothing to God. Listen, I'm going to tell you something, friend. There's something wrong with the Christian that doesn't put Jesus first. And I'm not talking about just your finances, friend. I'm talking about your life. It's important that you and I are willing to place ourselves in a position where we are obedient to Christ when it even hurts a little bit. Her giving was sacrificial. I wonder, when's the last time you're giving, and let's just stick to the Bible and let's stick to the topic. When's the last time your giving cost you something? When's the last time it cost you a vacation? When's the last time it cost you the new car? When's the last time it cost you certain clothes you wanted? When's the last time it cost you? Listen, in America, we are, have been programmed to believe that God owes us all those things and more to sacrifice? Are you kidding me? God would never expect that. And yet, the very one he points out is someone, as the Bible says, gave it all. She's the example. The widow gave sacrificially. I told you, I don't preach much on finance, but if I do, I'm going to lay it down. <laughs> We're going to get to the nitty-gritty here, okay? Let's get to it, right? Let's deal with it. Hers was an unusual, very marvelous type of giving, wasn't it? It was a giving motivated by the heart and expressed by the hands. That heart of love for others and for the work of God found its way through her hands and into the offering even. She gave all her living. There's no holding back. Again, as she hovered over those two giving boxes marked poor and sacrifice, she just couldn't resist. Her need faded as those other needs grew larger in her eyes. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, but without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Can I tell you, whether it's acting in faithlessness in our daily walk, our life, whether it's acting in faithlessness at our job, if it's faithlessness, if it doesn't demand and require faith, then it is, no, it is not pleasing God. It doesn't matter what we're doing. If I can do this ministry, I can do this preaching in my own strength, and I don't need him, and by faith, I'm not depending on him to get it done. My friend, he is not pleased with this, no matter what I say or what I do. If it is not a work of faith, if it is not a dependence wholly and solely and completely upon God, then my friend, he is not pleased with Mark O'Donnell today. That is it. If I somehow believe I have the intellect, the ability, the opportunity to proclaim this truth, and I can do it, Basically, without God to some degree or another, even if it's a little bit without God, my friend, if it's not all God, it's not God, and it doesn't please Him. 
And that is true in your life. You say, I go to work every day. Let me ask you, when's the last time you asked God to help you to do a good job today? Because if you've gotten to the place where you think you can go to work and do it on your own, my friend, you're wrong. He could take every last ounce of energy out of your body today. He could remove your breath and put you in heaven this evening. I'm telling you, without God, you and I are nothing. And we can't please God without faith. The character of her giving. First, the, widow, the widow's giving was sacrificial. Then the widow's giving was secret. Again, this is a touchy one because sometimes people get the idea that they're not allowed to ever be seen. You know, don't tell anybody I help. Don't tell this, don't do that. And I, I listen, I agree with that to a much more degree than you may imagine. However, let me make some exceptions to the rule. For instance, again, in that particular day, let me just kind of lay the foundation. The religious leaders of that day they were very quick to showcase their giving, quick to showcase their serving and their sacrifice for the Lord. And by the way, they did sacrifice, and they would say they were sacrificing on behalf of God, but it really wasn't about God that they were sacrificing. It was to somehow prop them up. It was somehow to raise them up, to elevate them, to glorify themselves, to somehow get others to pat them on the back and say, boy, aren't you spiritual? That's why they were so despised in the eyes of the Lord in their service. That's why he called them hypocrites. That's why he called them a den of thieves. Because their hearts were corrupted. They were selfish and self-centered when in reality they were trying to pretend it was all about God and others when it wasn't. This, these religious leaders and those that often came to the temple with all those mega sums of money probably were very quick to make sure people could see all the money. Hey, let me tell 40, 60, 80, 20, 2, 3, 4, 70, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50. Woo-hoo-hoo, praise God. Well, let's see who's looking. I think, well, ain't nobody here yet. I want to wait till they gather around. Then I'll get it out and share it. I'll give them my money then. Well, not there. But anyway, I... <laughs> not this widow woman. Her, her giving wasn't a show of piety. It wasn't a point of praise at all. In her case, she may have even been somewhat embarrassed to give. It's possible that, again, she gave so quickly and so indiscriminately, uh, so, not indiscriminately, but indiscretion, indiscretionately, that's not right. Anyway, that's a made-up word. So she took her little mites and she tossed them in quickly, threw them in there. She probably didn't want anybody to see how little she gave. May I say that her giving was secret, and may I say, if yours is being given with the expectation of somehow being patted on the back, being recognized, or somehow feeling big about what you've done, my friend, you've got the wrong spirit and the wrong attitude. Our giving should be in secret in a sense. There shouldn't be that desire. It isn't to be a showcase for the world to see. We're not there to give, to be recognized or praised. The Bible says in Matthew 6, 18, thou there, that thou appear not unto men to fast. I know it's talking about fasting, but listen to the principle here. That thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which is seeth in secret, he seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. You, you know how it is. You got a big offering this week. And you came into some bucks. If you're not careful, you're sitting there when the plate was being passed, and instead of turning it over like you always do, you leave it up. 
You get where I'm going with this, right? Just maybe somebody might see it. I don't want them to see it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really spiritual, and I don't want them to see it, but, oh, I turned it the wrong way. Now, you would never do that. Nobody at Community Baptist Temple would ever think of doing that. However, it happens in other churches. <laughs> the widow's giving was secret. Now, let me just throw this in real quick, and I do want to encourage you. Be very careful that you're not so secretive. If you are secretive because you are embarrassed by what you give, there's a problem. Now, what I mean by that is this. I have a son here, and I have three other children. I think it's important that they know that daddy and mommy's giving is sacrificial. I think they need to know sometimes maybe they need to hear what we give. They need to have a standard by which to gauge their giving. They need to understand what sacrifices were made in our lives and in our home. And yet, if, although it may have cost us some of the, the amenities of life, it did not cost us the love in the home. Man, Jesus was bigger he made up for everything. It was so awesome giving that way in our home because look, kids, what it produced. I'm telling you, we're not training a generation how to give to God. We act like we're embarrassed. Let me tell you, if you are embarrassed of what you give and you know you're not obedient to God and you won't share that with your children because you don't want to like, be embarrassed, or mommy and daddy, is that what God wants you to give? Mommy and daddy, how do you know what to give? I don't have any of those answers, son. I just throw 20s in the offering plate. I throw 100 bucks, even though I make 2,000 bucks a week. I just throw it in there just to get, ease my conscience. Friend, you ought to be in a position where you can train the next generation. I'm talking about your own family for sure. This idea, we don't talk about money in my home. Don't talk about it and see how your children's financial life turns out. Don't train them and teach them how to handle money and see what happens. And when you start teaching them how to handle money, what's the first thing that comes out off the top? Your tithes and your offerings and your, your church giving. You, wait, whoa, 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 wait a second, preacher. You're going into some, you're meddling now. Well, that tithe comes off the top. You can read that in the Bible. Listen, you are not, you are not being honest with God. And you certainly aren't teaching the right way if you're not teaching it God's way. And then we want God's blessings, even though we're disobedient. Well, God owes me something. He owes you squat. That's the Greek for nothing. Now, what's the conclusion of her giving? Oh, wait, I forgot the last one. The widow's giving was sincere. We've already kind of touched on it, haven't we? She was sincere in her gift. She wasn't looking again for recognition or praise. She gave out of a heart of love. She couldn't escape the desperate need of the others that were around her. Man, I mean, she saw the essential need for worship. She saw the need of the poor. She gave what she gave out of love and out of uh, uh, respect to the Lord. So we've noted the character of her giving. The widow's giving was sacrificial. It was secret. It was sincere. Now the conclusion of her giving. Her giving was recognized. Although she didn't try to make a show of her giving, the Lord was watching. Man, he was over there, and he had gathered the disciples about him, and he said, man, I, I want to make sure, i got to get a good vantage point here. Look at, this is awesome right here. Look at this. Look, see what's going on there? Do you see that? He was watching. 
Listen, you may be giving in secret, and you may be giving for all the right reasons. I don't know. Or maybe even the wrong reason. But can I tell you, he's watching. You know he's watching this morning. He's watching next week. He's watching next month. He's watching for the every day until the day we meet him face to face. He is always on the job, and he is watching. And in this particular case, her giving was recognized. And who was it recognized by? None other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself, the Savior of all the world. And that should be the only person we really care that sees us. When it's all said and done, the greatest desire in our heart ought to be that the Lord Jesus Christ is pleased and honored. Her giving was recognized, but her giving would be remembered even. Think about it. 2,000 years later, we're still reading about it. 2,000 years later, we're still talking about this widow woman who had nothing, two nickels to rub together. She had absolutely nothing. And yet we're talking about her. Do you realize, because this book is settled in heaven, that forever and ever and ever we will, be, we will remember this woman and what God saw that day? what she did. Turn, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. Sometimes we forget that everything we do will be remembered, good or bad. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, notice what the Bible says here. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay that that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble. Let me remind you what's taking place here before we move any further. This is what will be considered the judgment seat of Christ. This is for believers. Today, if you've never put your personal faith and trust in Jesus Christ, this is not where you will be one day. This does not apply to you. If you've never put your personal faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you have to go over to Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 through 15, and read about the great white throne judgment. There's two different judgments that take place. But let me tell you something. God is watching, and he will remember. Now, if you are a Christian, a child of God, and you have said, I know I'm a sinner, and I know Jesus Christ is the only Savior, and he's the only way, the truth, and the life. I must trust Christ, and I must ask his forgiveness, ask him to save me, ask him to have mercy on my wretched, wicked soul, and you cry out to God for mercy and beg him to come into your life, he'll save you, and you'll be a child of God, and one day you'll stand before God, the Lord Jesus Christ, at the judgment seat of Christ that we're reading about. If you say, you know what, I'm not into all that stuff. I'll go to church occasionally. I'll even read my Bible if it's absolutely necessary. I'll do what it takes to please people if it's what, it, what I have to do. But the truth is, I have no interest in becoming a child of God. I don't want to know the Lord Jesus Christ that way. I don't want him upsetting my plans, my future, my life. I think I'll do things my way instead of his way by receiving and accepting him and changing my life to walk in his goodness and light. I'll just walk my own direction, do my own thing. Then, friend, you're going to stand before God at what's called the great white throne judgment. 
And in chapter 20, verse 11 through 15, the Bible says, and death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. The truth is, is that you'll be cast into a place called the lake of fire because you have rejected the only Savior, Jesus Christ, the only one that lived a sinless, perfect life, the only one that has a right or could ever meet the righteous demands of a holy God. He's the only one. No man born of a woman, could ever live a sinless, perfect life. But Jesus Christ was conceived of the Holy Spirit in Mary, and he had no sin nature, and he lived a perfect, sinless life, and he ultimately died on Calvary to pay for your sin and to sacrifice himself. And by the way, the penalty of sin is death. He died when he didn't deserve to die. He died in your place, and he died in my place. So today, if you know Christ as your Savior and you've received the Lord Jesus, my friend, this is talking to you today. If not, after the service, I'd be glad to explain to you what chapter 20, verse 11 through 15 is all about. Come see me and we'll talk about it. Notice what the Bible says here now. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. If you went to Matthew chapter 7, you'd find there's two foundations. One, there's a foundation of sand. And the other, there's a foundation, which is a rock. Jesus Christ is the rock. If you want any stability in your life, friend, you better come to Christ and begin planting your feet on the solid rock and growing in him. Notice he says, now if any man build upon this foundation, his life with Christ, his salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ, gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Do you realize what's taking place here? Can I share it in one word? Remember. He is remembering what you've done. He's going to bring it to fruition. He's going to put it up there, so to speak. It's going to run through this, apparently a fire. And if you've done what you've done for God and for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake, not for your own personal gain, not for a pat on the back, not because you just wanted other people to like you or love you. If you did it for Jesus with no strings attached, my friend, it goes through the fire and comes out gold, silver, precious stone. Otherwise, it's burned up. He will remember, though, when you give sacrificially. See, her giving was remembered by the Lord Jesus Christ, and may I say, so will yours be, and so will mine. Not only that, but her giving will be rewarded. We just talked about that. Pretty simple, isn't it? Can you imagine what awaited her that day when she got back to her home? I mean, she took those two mites and she, she put them both in. She thought to herself, this is all I've got to live on. This is all I've got to sustain me till next week. This is all I've got. And I don't know if she begged for it. I don't know if somebody just gave it to her. I don't know if she had a family member that tried to help her. All I know is that's all she had. And she thought to herself, I'll throw one in. I'll give one to the poor because I understand their plight. But then she thought, oh no, oh no, the sacrifice. Oh, God needs this to his account. God needs this for his work. And she thought, whatever, throw them both in. She gave all of her living. She didn't give safely that day. She didn't just settle for safety. She settled for sacrifice. That's all she would settle for. And by the way, the Lord's no debtor to any person. He'll never owe you anything. He'll always make sure you owe him. 
And the fact is today, I can't even imagine what awaited her when she walked up onto that porch, started to get into the house. I can't imagine what awaited her. Because see, her giving was recognized. Her giving would be remembered. And can I tell you, her giving will be rewarded. Take your Bible now as we close, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 through 18. So we've already noted, and then we're going to close now, but we noted two things. We noted the character of her giving. It was sacrificial. It was secret. It was sincere. We noted the conclusion of her giving. Her giving was recognized. It was remembered. It was rewarded. I want you to see the real basis, the real foundation for all of this. I want you to see it. It's so plain. It's so simple. And yet it eludes us so often. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Notice it says, for our light affliction. I want you to think for a moment what the early church was enduring. I want you to think with me for a moment of the author who is writing, and of course he is Literally, the pen in God's hand. I understand that. Under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul is saying, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Can I tell you, if you would look over in the book of 1 Corinthians, or excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, you would find that his affliction was not light at all in our eyes. It was horrible what he was enduring and what he was putting up with, at least from our perspective. But as the Apostle Paul shares this passage with the Corinthians, he says, for our light affliction is but for a moment. What? I don't know about you, but when I'm going through affliction, it seems like it is ever enduring. It seems like it will never end. He says, for it worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Watch it now. Here's the key. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. He's saying, now listen, in light of eternity, as we focus our attention on eternal matters, we consider our situation and our circumstances here. It is but a light affliction, and it is only for a moment in comparison when I consider all that awaits me in glory, when I think about all the benefit of serving the Lord Jesus Christ in this earth, I'm willing to endure and put up with this light affliction because in comparison to what I have to look forward to, this is nothing. But if your eyes aren't on eternity, then you can't say light affliction, but for a moment. All you see is the hurt, the heartache, and the trouble that you're facing. He says, for our light affliction is but for a moment working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are seen are eternal. If I am focusing only on the now, the temporal, then every problem in my life is magnified. But the moment I get my eyes on eternity and I realize that this life is only a drop in the bucket in comparison to eternity, and that everything I sacrifice and everything I give and everything I do on behalf of Jesus Christ will be rewarded one day, 
I'll put up with this. It's just a light affliction and it's only for a moment because my eyes are on heaven and eternity and not the temporal and immediate. Never settle for giving safely, but instead strive to give sacrificially. See, a father gave his little girl $2 and said to her, you can do anything you want with the one dollar, but the other dollar belongs to God. Our little girl was excited as she ran to the candy store, but when she tripped and fell, the dollar went down into the storm drain. She got up and she said, well, Lord, there goes your dollar. I wonder, how do you give? Is it me and mine first and then God, if there's any left? Or will you never settle for safe giving? Only sacrificial giving. Father, we come to you. We thank you for this time together. We ask, Lord, that you would just help us, that you'd work in our lives. And as believers, Lord, we understand that this principle extends far beyond our finances and into our very life itself. It extends into our marriages. It extends into our homes. extends into our ministries. The widow is definitely a tremendous example of the attitude of giving that we should have, but it should be an attitude that extends long past a financial gift. Father, I pray, Lord, that you'd speak to hearts. Lord, may there, if there be any believer today that's in our midst that has taken back something that was rightly God's, if they have at one point were further ahead than they are now, may they surrender back over to God what they took back from God. Lord, for the lost person, I pray, Lord, that they would recognize the need to give themselves completely to Christ, to stop trying to live their own life and do things their way, but instead obey the word of God and trust and receive him as their savior, confess their sin before a holy God and trust him and invite him into their life as Lord and Savior. May they pass by the great white throne judgment and find themselves at the judgment seat of Christ because they are a child of God and have put their faith in Jesus. Lord, I pray, Father, that you would help them to recognize their sin and their need of a Savior today. And Lord, Father, for the child of God, again, do a work in our lives. And Father, we do. We pray for our building fund offering. We pray for our offerings in general. But Lord, the truth is, is that if all we get is an offering out of this, it'll be useless. This ought to change our lives as we have a different perspective, as we see eternally, not just temporally. May it be affect every aspect of our life, not just our financial giving, but every aspect. We'll thank you. We'll praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If I ask